Well, good evening, everyone. My name's Peter. I'm the Senior Minister of St Alice, and uh, great that you're here tonight. It will soon be Christmas, and for Christians, that's a time to celebrate the birth of Jesus and to give presents and probably to eat too much. And for the general population, it's a time to give presents and probably to eat too much. And the cost of all those presents and all that food adds up. It adds up to a lot of stress and it's usually a big hit on your bank account as well. Christmas can be very expensive. A newspaper report about a year ago talking about Christmas in Australia estimated that Australians would spend roughly $11 billion on Christmas. It's a lot of money, isn't it, for just this one celebration? And if you're concerned about the cost of Christmas personally, I'd like to recommend a website for you to look up. I looked it up this week. It's the Money Smart website had lots of tips on how to keep the cost of Christmas down. Two tips I found particularly helpful. One was, before you go out shopping, make a list of what you want to buy and how much you want to spend on each person, and then keep to the list. Second tip was, keep a close eye on your credit card, if you use a credit card, because you're going to have to pay all that back eventually, sometime. You don't want that to be um, a great shock to you in February. Now, tonight's sermon is called Surprise, The Cost of Christmas, but it's not really about the cost of buying all those presents and food. It's more about the cost of being a follower of Jesus, the cost of being a Christian. And the Apostle Peter, who wrote our passage tonight, is clear that if you are a real Christian, not just a Christmas Christian, not just a churchgoer, but a genuine follower of Jesus you will suffer in some way for your faith. It may be persecution, as is expressed in verse 12 here tonight, where you read a fiery ordeal or painful trial. It may be insults. You see that mentioned in verse 14. Or it may be you're shamed or you're ostracized or you're kept out of something which is implied in verse 16 and Peter is writing to encourage us that this is normal this is what Christians experience he says in verse 12 don't be surprised when this happens this is part of being Christian and we shouldn't be surprised because if we are a follower of Jesus, we know that this is, what's happened, this is what happened to Jesus himself. He suffered, and when we suffer, we're following his model, his footsteps. Now, in order to apply this passage tonight properly, we mustn't trivialise or domesticate the idea of suffering that Peter's talking about. You see, he's not talking about the normal sort of suffering and struggle that we might face. Things like ill health or um, our studies are not going well or we haven't got the job we wanted or those sorts of things. He's not talking about those sorts of struggles and suffering. He's actually talking about being persecuted or insulted or ostracised for being a Christian because of your faith. Now, let me illustrate this for you. Each year there's an organisation called Open Doors and it produces a world watch list which gives the annual ranking of 50 of the most dangerous countries for Christians to be in. 
And this year, 2018, it is estimated that 215 million Christians around the world will be experiencing high, very high, or extreme levels of persecution. The three most dangerous countries for Christians this year have been North Korea, Afghanistan, and Somalia. And of the worst 20 countries, 16 are predominantly Muslim countries. And in these countries, Christians are being harassed, imprisoned, threatened, and even killed for being Christian. Every month, Christians are being abducted or killed. Christian women are being sexually attacked or forced into marriages with non-Christians. Churches are bombed, burnt down, looted. Christians are detained without trial. Christians are... It's made difficult for Christians to get work or to be promoted in work. Missionaries are harassed and deported, as we have understood here at St Alfred's just recently ourselves. Now, that is the sort of thing that Peter is talking about. But the difficulty in applying this passage in those sorts of contexts is you and I are not living in one of those 50 countries. We're living in Melbourne, a seemingly safe country. You can come here tonight, you can worship God, I can speak, we can read the Bible, we can pray. We're not going to walk out the door and be killed. So how do we apply Peter's warning here in Melbourne? Well, let me tell you, if you're a Christian student at school or university and you stand up for Christ in some way on your campus, there will be a cost. If you're a Christian in the workplace and you stand up for Christ and say, I'm a man or woman of integrity, I am not going to compromise, there will be a cost. More broadly, the Australian culture has become more hostile to the Christian message, I think, in my lifetime. And our state of Victoria leads the way to some extent. After the state election a couple of weeks ago, the Premier Daniel Andrews, in his uh, celebration speech, described Victoria as, quote, the most progressive state in the nation. And by progressive, which sounds like a nice positive word, what he is including in that word are policies on things like euthanasia, abortion, gender, education and marriage that many, many Christians would disagree with him on. But it costs something to speak up in our culture and say, I actually believe the Christian message and I think our policies on some of these big ethical issues are wrong. It takes courage to do that. So the cost for you may not be persecution and death, as it might be for some Christians in other countries, but you should not be surprised that there will be a cost of some sort. Peter says to us, don't be surprised if you have to suffer for being a Christian. But my hunch is that many of us will be surprised when we suffer for being a Christian. My hunch is we're not really emotionally prepared for the cost of being a Christian. Why is that? I've been thinking about this all week. And I think it might be to do with the gospel that we've heard. Not necessarily the gospel that's preached, 
But the gospel we've heard, the gospel that through the values of our culture has sort of circulated and become the accepted gospel inside us. And here's the gospel that I think we might have heard or misheard. Come to Jesus and everything will be okay. Now, folks, that is not the gospel. That's not the gospel you will have heard preached from the pulpit here. But if that's the gospel you've heard, and if that's the gospel you're living out, you are in for a surprise. You are in for a shock. Because Jesus does not say, come to me and it will be all right. He says quite the contrary. He says, if they hated me, they will hate you. And he says to you, if you want to follow me, pick up not your luxury Louis Vuitton bag and follow me. What does he say? Pick up your cross and follow me. Welcome aboard. Join the team. It's going to be tough. So if you're serious about following Jesus, there will be a cost. So don't be surprised. Now, the cost of Christmas is not so much how much you're going to spend on food and presents. It's what it's going to cost you personally in your life, what it's going to cost you in your friendships and in your sense of security. That's what the cost will be. Look at verse 14, if you have your Bible open. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You know, sometimes when I feel a little bit like I'm um, taking a risk, and sometimes as an Anglican minister, even in the Anglican church, you've got to take a risk and speak up for, for God. Sometimes when that happens, I feel like I'm a bit on my own. Is God with me? I feel a bit weak. And so Peter says to me here tonight, if I am insulted because of the name of Christ, I'm blessed. I'm not on my own. The spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you are insulted at work or at university for your faith in Christ, please realise you are not abandoned by God. God is with you. God is saying, I am there. The spirit of glory, God's glorious Holy Spirit is with you. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are being blessed. It's an, and that's a great encouragement and assurance. But Peter doesn't want you to be... Um, suffering he doesn't want you to be causing trouble that's not for Christ's glory look at verse 15 he's going to put a little bit of a, a boundary line around what is appropriate causes for suffering he says if you suffer it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler so if you get yourself into trouble because you break the law of the land then you're just being stupid. God may not be with you. You go and shoplift, that's not going to bring any glory to Christ. That's all your own fault. That's got nothing to do with being a Christian. The interesting word here, though, is meddler. What's a meddler? Someone who meddles in other people's business, a busybody. The original meaning of the word has the, the idea of overseer inside the word. And perhaps it means it's someone who assumes a leadership role that's not theirs to assume and they become like a moral policeman sticking their nose in other people's business and tutting and telling people off uh, when they don't have any authority to do that. So Peter says, if you suffer insults for being a criminal or a busybody, a sticky beak, 
then that's your own fault. But, verse 16, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. If you suffer because you're standing up for Christ, then you have no shame. There's nothing to be ashamed of. The world might shame you. The world might say you're a pain in the neck. But if you're standing up for Christ and his gospel, praise God, you've been counted worthy to stand for Christ and your suffering is a badge of honour. Now, again, if I can speak from my own personal perspective as an Anglican minister, the Anglican church is experiencing something of this type of, of tension and suffering in our Anglican church worldwide. What I mean by that is there are divisions throughout the international Anglican church over human sexuality, and therefore clergy and churches must decide what they believe. Do they believe what has been the, the beliefs about marriage that have been passed on for centuries or not? And if you stand up against the tide of culture and remain faithful to the historic teachings on marriage, sometimes there is a price to pay. For example, one Anglican minister that I've met in Canada was defrocked by his diocese for nothing other than he said, I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, that's inside the church. If we suffer for this sort of courage for Christ, Peter is saying we need feel no shame. So if you do that, if you are brave and courageous in your life, in the years to come as you grow up, then praise the Lord that you have been counted worthy of bearing the name of Christ. It's slightly counterintuitive, I know. But that's what Peter is saying. And we have to keep this what's happening in perspective. First of all, and so I'm moving towards verse 17. First of all, our suffering is not ultimately controlled by our persecutors. We might think all the, 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 the people who have the power in our world, they, they control everything. But Peter reminds us that God is control, is in control. And he says, verse 13, that the time of judgment begins with the family of God. What he means by, there by judgment is not end times judgment. What he means is the judging that's going on about whether we'll be courageous to stand up or not. That starts with us. Are we courageous? God, will, God is judging your character. God is judging your, your courage. It starts with us. You're the Christians. I'm the Christian. So God says, I'm going to start with you. Are you strong enough to stand up in the culture that you live in? And that's a way of strengthening your faith. So it's not all bad. Suffering is not all bad. But secondly, the persecutors will be punished. Note verse 17, the people who do not obey the gospel. And verse 18, the ungodly and the sinners, they will be punished. So here's Peter's promise to suffering Christians, that there will be a final judgment, a final reckoning. And in Advent, one of the things we celebrate is, or we look forward to, is the return of Christ. And one day, Christ will return, and those who have remained faithful will be vindicated, and those who persecute will be judged. So if we share Christ's suffering, then in due course, we will share his glory. That's what Peter has already said in verses 12 and 13. So please stay with me. Peter is writing to you. I know many of you are very young. 
and you will not have faced many trials necessarily in your life, but they will come. Peter is writing to you to say, remain faithful to the Lord. Do not compromise on your faith. It might look like all the power is in the hands of the persecutors, but they will be judged. God is going to test you to see if you are faithful, but eventually God will judge your persecutors. Now, for those, I want to just ground this in a couple of examples. For those of you who are university students or recently graduated, here are a couple of examples from the context of universities. At one English university this year, so this is not a church history lesson, this happened this year, the students, some of the students tried to have the Christian Union banned from participating in O-Week by not giving them space at the Freshers' Fair. They just didn't want the Christians there. So if you were part of the Christian Union of that university, what would you do? Would you stand up and make some noise about that? At another university two years ago, the Students' Association, which sat above all the, the, the clubs and, and, uh, and groups, including the Christian Union, they were like the, um, the validating organisation, the one that gave out the money and gave out the keys to use the rooms and all of that. So the Students' Association wanted to vet all the activities of the Christian Union. That meant that the leaders of the Christian Union had to give to the Students' Association the content of all their meetings, all their events, and even the emails they were going to send out to the students and to the visiting speakers beforehand. And then the Students' Association would decide whether or not the Christian Union could hold those events or have those prayer meetings or invite that speaker to speak on that topic. Now, what would you do? Would you stand up and let your voice be heard and say, this is not right. We have, a free, we have freedom to worship, freedom to associate on our campus. How do we go on living then as we approach this Christmas? Look at verse 19. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Whatever the cost, Peter says, let's continue to follow the example of Jesus in two ways. First of all, commit ourselves to God afresh, God the creator. What he's implying there is that God is in control. The world is not out of control. It looks like that. When you're suffering, you think everything has gone wrong. He's saying God is still in control. If you're in a deep, dark patch at the moment because of your faith, remind yourself that God is your creator. He's a good God and you can commit yourself afresh to God. And Jesus did that. At the very moment on the cross, he committed himself into God's hands. We follow that model. Secondly, he says, don't get narky with people because they get narky with you because you're a Christian. He says, keep doing good. This is what Jesus did. Peter writes about this in Acts. Acts 10, he says, Jesus went around doing good and healing everybody who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So he says, don't try and pay back people for what they're doing to you. Um, pray for your persecutors. Love your enemies. It's all, it's all consistent with Jesus' model. Keep doing what Jesus did. Entrust yourself to God and keep doing good. So let me close and ask you this question. What will be the cost for you of Christmas this year? 
And it depends really on how serious you are as a Christian. If you keep your Christian faith hidden and you come to church, but outside church, nobody knows you're a Christian. None of your behaviour suggests you're a Christian. None of your language suggests you're a Christian. You drink as much as everybody drinks. You swear as much as everybody swears. Your sexual ethics are no different to anybody else's. You're as angry as everybody else. Then there'll be no cost. None whatsoever. You'll just swim in the same river as everybody else. And one day you will meet the Lord. But if you are a genuine Christian, if you are standing up for Christ at school or at uni or with your friends, if you say, I am not going to do this because it is not consistent with being a Christian, I'm not going to act this way because it's not being consistent, I'm going to do things differently because I'm a Christian, then there will be some cost, there'll be some pain. It may not be as severe as the persecuted church unless you become a missionary or unless you take a job in one of those countries where it's difficult. But the persecution, the suffering will come in more subtle ways, like insults or ridicule or just a gentle sort of ostracism. You just feel a bit different. Don't be surprised, Peter says. Keep going, keep following the model of Christ, keep doing good. There may be suffering now, but there will be glory and rejoicing to come. As you come tonight, folks, to receive communion, when you put out your hands to receive the bread, commit yourself to God again. Remind yourself that you come with nothing. Your hands are empty. You're receiving from God by his grace, through his spirit. He's the one who can strengthen you. He will not give you anything you cannot bear. But he is testing you. And being a Christian will require courage in your life. Come, be refreshed, be filled again, be encouraged again. That's one reason it's good to meet regularly, to encourage one another, share the load. Come and be prayed for. If there's something that's really a burden right this minute or you're concerned about something, come and be prayed for. That's one of the things we do for each other. But Peter says, do not be surprised. This is normal Christian life. You want to follow Jesus? Follow Jesus. Don't muck around. Amen.